0: Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Hello and welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Yes, I am your host Joshua, and uh, got a little bit of a fun episode here for you today. I'm going to go over a few things in the news and get everyone caught up. A little bit of a little bit of catching up. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a podcast this week because I mostly just wanted to say go listen to the last one because I already told you all this stuff already but no we'll we'll you know for the new kids we'll review and of course uh, at the end second half of this podcast I do have on a guest you'll have to wait and see who unless of course you happen to read the description of the podcast shoot You already know. All right, fine. I'll tell you. It's Beryl Joffrey, the author of the new series of articles on the website, Bitter Pills. And he joins me to talk a little bit about that and uh, add a couple complaints about a few. But we'll leave that for the interview. You'll want to stick around and listen to that. So if you want to skip ahead, go ahead and do that. But I've got a few things to get off my chest because... um, I am not generally... Actually, I, uh, I'll i try again. All right. I try not to be... That would be a better way of saying it. I try not to be a, a told-you-so guy, but guys, I'm not a genius. I'm just paying attention. That's that's how I'll say it. I'm not a genius. I'm just paying attention. And if you're paying attention too, you should have known a bunch of these things that are going on and coming out in the news. So we'll start with, first of all, we talked about Melvin Gordon. More news, more talk. Uh, More reports about how the Chargers are kind of dug in on not giving them a contract and things like that. Maybe it's just negotiation, but like I had already told you, I think they're serious. And, of course, news comes out today saying Justin Jackson's going to get a ton of reps. I think that was through Mike Silver. And that's not a surprise, of course, he's going to get a lot of work, especially in preseason here. They want to see how he does. Now, if he's terrible and if Eckler can't do it or gets injured too and so on and so forth, yeah, sure, maybe they give Melvin Gordon a contract. Maybe they figure out a way to make it happen. But if Justin Jackson is even halfway decent, I don't think they're going to give in. They might pick up They might pick up someone who, like, let's see, who... Hey, J would be perfect for the Chargers because they don't have a big bruiser. They don't need someone who can catch. They've got two guys who can do that. They've got all around guys in Eckler and Justin Jackson. And they could bring in some depth with like a JI and so on. And uh you don't need a Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, I love the guy, but he I think he is a definitely a talented running back what he did when the offense was bad showed that I think for a long time people put him down because of that and then we realized no when the offensive line and so on was improved now he really got to shine and that's where he's been these last few years but I do think a lot of it is as always with running backs situation and another good decent running back can get let's say 80% out of, out of that offense so Justin Jackson, I do like him. And look, all the smart people I follow on Twitter have been saying ever since the news of the possible holdout has been all of them have been saying, get Justin Jackson. He is the value. Even if he's not gonna take over than half over half of the work, even if Eckler does get more work, the value is with Justin Jackson because Eckler already had a price tag. Jackson was was just sitting out there ready for you to take you could offer it a fourth round maybe definitely you would have got it with a third rounder for somebody off their bench and they would have gladly probably given given him to you um good luck doing that now probably can't uh again you're gonna have to wait and see so you have to decide whether you're willing to take that gamble i think he's good i would take that gamble for a late second early third Uh, If you're talking about dynasty here. All right, so that's Justin Jackson, Melvin Gordon, enough of that. But the holdout threat is real. Like I said, just to reiterate, anyone who didn't listen, you should go back and listen. But my prediction is Melvin Gordon will miss games. Um, how How many is a minimum? I don't know, but he will be back in time to accrue a season so he will be back this season because he doesn't want to be stuck there he's going to force them to either tag him or let him go that is his uh, leverage to make them trade him or give him a real contract otherwise he has to threaten another holdout next offseason either way whether it's with a franchise tag or whether if he sits out this entire season he's still going to be on the Chargers in the same exact situation the only way it moves forward is if he accrues a season and that is his leverage because that's the only leverage the team has on him so he has to get that year on his belt all right but he may still miss games that's the point that's the problem I do not expect a whole year off season like Bell did Bell was not in the same situation. He was a full year ahead. He was in the next year situation. And yeah, he needed to accrue a year as far as for the franchise tag. But either way, it was still a franchise tag. Melvin Gordon is technically still has a normal contract with the Chargers. That's the difference. Okay, So you got to look at these little details sometimes to figure things out. Other news that is not news that I've been trying to tell you, Peyton Barber is the starting running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you have any hope of someone taking that over, it should be Bruce Anderson, who is a perfectly fine, you know, lottery ticket. Go ahead and get him cheap. But it's not Ronald Jones. You are wasting your time, effort, and picks, and whatever else you're using to get Ronald Jones. Will he be more involved than he was last year? Sure, of course I don't see why not. Will he be relevant to fantasy? Not unless there's an injury. Even then, I don't know. Andre Ellington's there. He we know he can catch the ball with Arians. Arians is going to make Arians is going to try and make Andre Ellington happen. You just know it, okay? Let's just Arians is going to try and make Andre Ellington happen mark it down i don't i'm not saying it's going to be good i'm not trying to go get him and just saying that's what's going to happen they want that receiving back peyton barber is adequate like uh carlos hyde level adequate of dump offs but he's not a real receiver so but he can still catch better than ronald jones all right all right funny thing about ronald jones everyone's saying oh he's taking it serious now he's getting in shape he's eating healthy and then he comes into camp uh heavy and not looking great, and they're saying, "Oh, it's muscle, 13 pounds of muscle." Whatever, uh, just move on. Move on. Maybe, maybe in a couple of years, the guy can get it together. But by then, he's going to be Jordan Howard. And Jordan Howard worked because he was able to be good at least at on the ground, running the ball in the right situation, and so he was able to to turn that into, you know, production that actually got attention and was given opportunity. Ronald Jones has not done that on the ground, and he's not doing it in the air, so he's not getting the opportunity. Period. Next thing we should have known about. Okay, what did I tell you again? Last episode, what did I tell you? It makes no sense that people are high on Devonte Freeman and low on Edo Smith, and then hesitant about Freeman because of injury. Well, well, then there needs to be somebody else. Oh, but no, they would just dismiss Quadriolsen. Well, what's the Falcons website talking about now? They're saying they expect fifth-round rookie Quadriolsen to pick up some of the slack in short yardage situations. Well, no kidding. He's the only big, strong, fast back who can really punch it in unless you go to Brian Hill, you know, the one that they cut after they drafted him and only picked up when they had nobody else last year. Yeah, that one. Quadri Olsen is going to be given the chance. He has the burst. He can do it. Devonta Freeman is not. He's been bad in short yardage last season. And they do like to use him in the red zone because he has that receiving threat. And maybe they go back to that. But either way, they're going to want to limit his usage because they don't want to overwork him. So that leaves Ito Smith. But Ito Smith is not. Uh, we saw what he was he is a satellite back, he's a receiving back, he's James White, he is not going to get it done on the ground, okay, not consistently, not through, you know, the crowd, following his blockers and so on, okay, simple as that, so Quadri cheap stash, not so cheap anymore, probably, you should have known, should already had him, uh, Peyton Barber, you can still buy them cheap in places. I actually ended up selling them in the league, but just because I could. Uh, all right, so we're just I'm just going down the list here. I'm kind of we're slowly kind of solidifying some of my takes here. that are probably going to be you know my things for the season. So obviously we know what I've talked about with the Falcons. I predicted they would be taking a bigger back, and they took Olsen, and now I like Olsen and all that. So here we are, Justin Jackson. I like him. I was selling Melvin Gordon. All right, that's on the t- that's on the table. That's already on the board. That's written down Payne Barber same thing I hate Ronald Jones you all know that hates a strong word you know what I mean uh, next Todd Gurley I think is pretty much fine I mean it's going to be a concern there's going to be flare-ups they may limit his non-game day activities you'll see him on the report injury report so he doesn't have to practice Thursdays or whatever right remember that what they did that for Frank Gore for years for years right all right I think that's the treatment they're going to give him he's going to be he's going to be fine uh two different stories about that first of all you have them saying uh, trainers and so on saying his production looks fine but another story if you listen to the fancy footballers uh, I believe it was Mike was at the ESPYs and he got to talk to Goff and ask Goff you know how how girly it was and and he was talking about him great and yeah you can say well that of course he is but uh there was a lot of things you can go listen to the episode is uh i'd have to check which one is a couple ago now but basically uh mike um the hitman writes point was uh he was pretty open um I mean, short with the answers and good, good. But he opened up and and you even said he drafted him in one of his his football leagues. Uh, By the way, Mike Wright, after that you asked him if it was a money league or you made a comment about you didn't wonder if it was a money league. Of course it's not a money league. He's an NFL player. He can't play in money leagues. Don't ask him that. Come on. Jeez. All right, so. But when they asked him about. Dale Henderson how he's coming along with pass protection he kind of closed up apparently and soon after that said you know he had to go before he said something he shouldn't so that tells me uh Goff is still as far as he knows Gurley's fine and maybe Henderson isn't quite as ready as everyone thinks you know to just step in and and take all the work so uh let's put it on the board here let's let's get it on the record Todd Gurley's fine. I'll take him at the end of the first round. Um, Probably I would take him... I'm going off the head now, which is never good. I would guess I would start thinking about him at the 7th, 8th, 9th pick. Um, It would depend on the league and other things and kind of what my approach was going to be. Maybe I would take a wide receiver there instead. But if I'm back at the 10, 11, 12... Oh... I am definitely taking Gurley because whoever comes back around to me at the end of the turn there's lots of players there lots of receivers I'm going to be happy with them I'm going to make sure I get Gurley because he is a league winner right now okay next uh news I saw Marquise Lee on the PUP it's active um physically unable to put playlist so he can come off that at any time you're going to see a lot of players on that list in the news cycle and uh, don't get too upset about it but uh, it does indicate that they are still not 100 so uh, marquis lee is on that you'll hear deandre hopkins was on that he'll be fine one that you saw on there would have been sonny michelle then maybe keep an eye on that maybe it's a buy window maybe they're resting him maybe you should be buying Damian Harris I'm not sure but the point about Marquise Lee that I wanted to bring up was um kind of been saying this thing where uh, D.D. Westbrook I really like him this season uh he quietly had a lot of targets last season now we've got Foles I think a better quarterback than Bortles at least a better passer you've got D.Filippo an offensive coordinator who who we've seen likes to throw the ball has familiarity with Nick Foles already and then you see where he was and what he was doing with players like uh Stefan Diggs and and Thielen and Adam Thielen and I wonder if um D.D. Westbrook can't kind of be a a cheap uh Chief Diggs or Thielen right and maybe someone like Keelan Cole or Maybe you're not on Keelan Cole. Maybe it's uh, Chris Conley or somebody else can kind of play the the other side of that duo. And I just think that there's a lot of cheap points there. Make sure you're not overpaying for them, but I think there's a lot of cheap points there. I'm going to maybe do an article on – not an article, a podcast episode – on situations like that once i get all these projections done i'm almost there guys i'm almost there i almost wanted to just say let's skip the podcast this week and just focus on that but um then i got a chance to get Beryl joffrey in on here and so i took the chance i took the opportunity and uh i'm gonna have him on here in a minute but there's one was one more take i want to get out on writing before it happens as we go into camp and everything Look, the the Cleveland Browns are going to give... They're going to give Kareem Hunt a lot of work in this preseason, okay? Don't get worried about it, all right? But if everyone else does start getting worried about it, feel free to take advantage and buy Chubb cheaper. Here's the thing. They know Duke Johnson wants to trade. They know that hunts out for eight games which really comes out nine weeks because of the buy. So go ahead and get Chubb. I'm not worried about Hunt. And guess what? The Browns aren't worried about Chubb. They just want to see what Kareem Hunt has if they if they do give him a lot of work in the preseason. So I'm saying that now because look if there's one thing I have to contribute. I'm not I'm not the smartest guy. Like I said I just pay attention. If there's one thing I think I have that's unique to contribute beyond just bringing all this other information together for you guys, it's, I think, because I'm bringing all this information, to, I kind of I kind of get to see some of the patterns and things, and it lets me, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm pretty good at seeing things coming ahead of time, you know, Melvin Gordon, everybody we're talking about today are examples Right, I think Gurley's one of those, and I think Chubb this Chubb hunt thing is one of those as well. So, I just wanted to get it out there. Um, when it happens, be ready. If you were trying to get Chubb from someone and they were a little unsure, look, that's when it that's when you go after him again. When they start using Hunt, you go after him and you say, Look, they're using Hunt, they're clearly going to use him when he comes back, you know. But look. I don't like trading with somebody and like down talking a player that obviously doesn't make sense so don't go at him just with that and trying to tell him Chubb's not going to be good that's obvious what you say is look I I need and you can point look at your team rationalize it but rationalize that you need Chubb for that first half of the season and that you'll you'll just have to figure it out you know when Hunt gets in but that's how you rationalize it you just say look I, I really need what Chubb can give me for the first eight or nine weeks. And then I'm, I'm willing to take that risk and figure it out from there. But it's clear that they want to use Hunt, you know, even though I don't think that's true. But that's part of negotiating. Uh, you can call it lying. I will call it um, storytelling. There you go. Tell a story. All right. Um, that's it for this. We'll be right back after this message with our interview All right, i am joined today by a friend of new friend of the show a member of the secret draft council and uh <laughs> and our very own first um published writer on the website fusionffb.com the author of the bitter pills series I can't believe someone actually wrote something on my website besides me. It is, of course, uh, Beryl Joffrey. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight.
1: Thanks for having me. It's my first podcast. So be gentle.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) I'll try. I'll try. Uh, So I just wanted to have you on. I had to have you on the podcast because, I mean, you have something on the website. So like it or not, you've you've got to I've got to represent now. So absolutely. And I wanted to dig in a little bit into uh, your articles and what they were about and encourage some more people who maybe missed it to check them out. And as of course, I had a a couple problems with them. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but hey, that's what we do at Fusion FFP. We don't always have to agree with everything, We, we integrate everything instead. So I'm fine with it being on the website. Some people might think that's a little strange, but I'm fine with that. All right. So uh, first of all, this whole idea, this whole series, it's actually a pretty kind of creative approach. Can you give a little bit of uh, what's the origin of this whole thing?
1: So I am, I'm actually a pharmacist, so I've been a pharmacist for almost a decade. And I also saw that there was sort of a void in the... The, the writing world for fantasy football. Everything's always very optimistic. Every, everything's always trying to sell you on a player. Um, I didn't really see a pessimistic approach to fantasy football. And as a pharmacist, when people pick up their medicine, they're looking for something that's going to be helping them, doing good things for them. But it's kind of my job to sort of put a little reality into it and tell them about the possible side effects of their medication. This is the things that could go wrong. We already know why you're taking it because we want, we want to go right. These are the things that can go wrong. So I wanted to take that approach and apply it to fantasy. These are the players you've gone out and bought and they're great and you've gotten them for whatever reasons you've gotten them, but here are the things that could go wrong with those players. It's not necessarily a blatant do not buy type of article. It's more of a word of warning, healthy dose of pessimism to go with your optimism. And so that, that was kind of the birth of the concept of the article. And then I started focusing on what type of players I wanted to include. I didn't really want to do rookies because rookies, their, their downside is obvious in that they're unproven. And I didn't want to go with older, super old players because, again, their downside is kind of obvious in that they're old and they might just fall off a cliff at any moment. So I kind of wanted to hit that middle ground of guys who were somewhat established or starting to become established and go from there.
0: Yeah, it's really been interesting to read. Um, I like how, I like a lot of the the things you really point out details of of why there could be a problem, like Josh Allen, and and reminding us how low his completion percentage is and things like that. So, um, it is it is nice that whole pessimistic uh, strategy. It's interesting you bring that up, and I kind of when you first brought up the idea to me it reminded me of it something i had thought about before when when i was researching once and someone had brought up uh all of the statistical you know success rates of all these draft picks and everything and my goodness they're all bad they're all like below 50 percent other than like the top i don't know it depends on the year the top few picks really And, and even then it's hopefully you get one good year and then maybe three of them total become consistent fantasy starters every year. And the rest are random hits throughout the draft. And just because you have a higher pick doesn't matter.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And so I kind of took this approach. I was thinking, I, I don't know about you, but I'm in a lot of different leagues, so I probably shouldn't do this. That's probably why maybe I don't win as many as I could, but I do take on kind of different approaches in different leagues almost to try it out sometimes so I have yeah. one league. I only have one league where I've actually committed to the the quote unquote rebuild idea because it's very specific to this. It's a very deep league. It's like a 32 team junkies league. It's ridiculous. You almost have to take a slow build approach. And so that's what I decided to do. I never do that in any of my other leagues. <laughs> I'm right. anti rebuild. Rebuild is a I think how did I phrase it the I said um quote-unquote, rebuilding is a lie told by league winners.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they propagate that lie for sure to keep people keep people rebuilding so that they can keep winning.
0: Yeah, well, I had to rebuild so I sold all these good players for whatever. Yeah, that's what they want you to think. Yeah. Uh, because now those people you sold it to are going to go win the league and so forth. Yeah. So we can dig into that another time. But basically, I said, what if I, with, I took one of my leagues and I just went full on pessimist and just never made a single pick always traded rookie draft picks i should say for known players and known values and uh, you know what would that look like what would be the the consequences how far could i actually take that just uh basically taking the idea that if the probability of any given player working out is less than 50 percent then if I bet against them, I win every time. Now it's not every time, but at a higher than fifty percent rate. Right. So, uh, any thoughts on that, or?
1: I it's it's the ultimate in risk aversion. You've you've seen this group of rookies. You've looked at all the statistics for every rookie draft pick at every level, and it's always less than fifty percent for, except for a very few number of picks. So you go, all right. I'm risk averse to begin with. I'm just gonna throw all that risk out the window. I'm going to get these players that have at least already done it, even if they haven't done it at the highest level. And then I'm minimizing my risk. But I think that could carry you, but I don't think it could carry you as far as a title. I think that that it would get you – I think if you're going for a slow rebuild, it could actually – especially in a deeper league like a 32-man league, it could definitely get you to that middle ground and then you start – flipping the script and re accruing those picks, add in that upside and then build on that base. But if your base is just garbage that you need a rebuild, it's quote unquote a rebuild, even though they're not real. Uh, then I I feel like that, especially in a nice deeper league, could actually be a solid strategy, a two to three year strategy where you flip the unknown for a known baseline and then and then build on top of that with your with your upside.
0: Yeah, and the key would be, like you said, you have to go for players that are known but still have upside and room to grow. So, I mean, yeah. you would trade. How, how would I say it? Well, I just recently made a trade in another league, where I consol. I have consolidated the crap out of the talent on this team. <laughs> um, so my my wide receivers are like Antonio Brown and and Julio Jones, and I had Cooper Cup and Pettis. And I actually, uh, I had used Cup to get Julio. And then I had just Pettis and uh, and all these guys. And then it just dropped off to, that was it. And then it dropped off to guys like John Brown, uh, Tyrell Williams, Keelan Cole. These were my, my guys on the bench. And so basically what I did was flipped... Diggs Diggs was the the one wide receiver I didn't just list. I flipped Diggs for uh, Paris Campbell, Kiki Kuti, and um, Arcego Whiteside. So basically three young wide receivers. So I already had some really good starters already, and then I just turned that into some depth.
1: So that's where you sprinkle back in that upside. You got your solid baseline, and then you sprinkle back in that upside.
0: Yeah, so once I had you know these three wide receivers and I got Peyton Barber on top of it. Um Great. so once I had all these guys, now my starting lineup didn't look quite as good, you know, I've Kuti instead of Diggs in there, you know. But I have some actual depth that can 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 grow. But you could say on the pessimist side, that would have been the the perfect trade to make on the pessimist side is get digs because he's a known value who could still get better and you're betting against these three young players right. It, that trade could work out for both of us,
1: which is ideal. I think all trades that's what that should be your focus is is that it should work out on both ends. I don't I'm never a fan of a trade just being super one-sided. It doesn't work for the integrity of the league and all this other stuff. but
0: yeah. But I've seen trades where it works out in the sense that I'm okay over paying for this guy because I need him right now. And so right. it's more about the benefit being balanced, not necessarily exactly. the value.
1: Right. But exactly. I think
0: the upsides and everything are even balanced in this one.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think the, the singular upside of digs versus the, the more depth-based upside of the, the package that you got.
0: Yeah. But that's the thing. So I wonder how far you could take it sometime. And I'll have to, maybe I'll finally do it with a league. And just, oh, I almost, I could, I'm thinking about it. And I kind of already did that with that league, that very same league. I mean, yeah. I consolidated. So I had 1.5 uh, 2019 first rounders. And by the time I was done, I had none. And I have Gurley. I already had David Johnson. I have Devonta Freeman. I have Damian Williams. Um, so I have all this really like top heavy talent, and like I said, no bench. So I wanted Peyton Barber because I was perfectly fine with him being a bench piece, you know. So things like that, uh, are are, are, I would essentially work so maybe I've kind of already done it, but uh, it was just kind of an interesting thought experiment to think about how how far you could take that pessimistic uh, approach.
1: Social experiment wise, I just don't know how far I'd be willing to carry it before I was like in panic mode. Like I need to, I need to get something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think you made a good point. Good point where maybe that's just a a step in the process.
1: Yeah. Sort of tear it down, make a nice base.
0: Your process should not be more than two years. You said two, three years. No, 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 no,
1: I didn't <laughs> even in
0: that even in that thirty two team league, I am this year.
1: I just I don't like anything more than a two year window. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a crazy league and and it's been 2 years. You know, I took over that league and all I had was Antonio Brown on that team and I sold him for picks and and a pick that I got Dalvin Cook and first the next year. And then the next year I sold Dalvin Cook for more picks the next year and that year and I took Chubb with one of those picks. So I'm like just rolling that value every year and this yeah. year I sold like all of them except for Chubb and I had the ugliest wide receiver group you have ever seen at one point in that league um let's go down the list it was what is his name i'll get to it so um artavis scott vincent smith oh wow um austin carr um i believe justin watson is was at one point my was my best wide receiver wow um and then uh Aldrick Robinson. Uh, of course, I caught him shortly before he had that ridiculous game with the 49ers. Um, out of nowhere, he got re-signed and started playing. Um, Carew. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Leontay Carew. Yes, I had Leonte Carew. Worst trade I've probably ever made. I traded Peyton Barber for Leontay Carew.
1: <laughs> to get leontae crew yes yeah. that's 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 uh early
0: in, that like, <laughs> in last off season when yeah. we thought there was zero chance peyton barber would still be around yeah, and absolutely. everything had opened up in and jarvis landry left you know so i was trying to get some value there yeah that did not work out that's okay. Not. that's okay that's <laughs> okay so enough of that in my leagues we don't want to we don't need to talk about that but I did want to kind of get to some examples, but, uh, as far as examples go, we've got a few here in your, in your articles. Um, I like a lot of them. Let's go back to the very first visit in the series. And, uh, you had Josh Allen, uh, Antonio Brown and Derek Henry. Am I correct?
1: yes okay
0: i'm completely with you on josh allen by the way yeah uh, i actually was doing his projections the other day and uh i, I had i have a really hard time figuring that he's going to be able to stay healthy playing like that i just it's going to be like a cam newton RG is the Bruce? best people get some people get upset when you compare josh allen to cam newton and other people like are all about that comparison. And I think that the people misunderstand what the comparison is. They're not saying that he is exactly like him in, in how he in how athletic he is. They're not saying uh, they have the same arm. We're not saying things like that. We're just saying they're larger athletic guys who definitely run the ball. Uh, and how much Josh Allen that will be planned like they've done with Cam Newton, we'll see. I hope they do it more so planned rather right. than just him running around crazy because that's no, how that's how Carson Wentz got hurt
1: yeah and honestly last year that's all it looked like was that Josh Allen was just running for his life and we got fantasy points because of it but yeah that, that was that was the truth is it kind of looks like it's basically going to be the same going forward because the dude just can't throw <laughs> he, yeah he can't hit anything at any depth I mean he's uh, in wide-open receivers. He's like 38th in the league, and there are only 32 teams. But he hits, he hits <laughs> wide-open receivers worse than worse than six backups <laughs> in this league. And that's a... I mean, I just don't know how we're supposed to have any faith in that guy as a QB.
0: <laughs> Was that in your article, that stat?
1: No, no, no. I had that one. Uh, I, I had... Uh, look that one up after the fact. Oh, that but should have
0: been I, in there. That's I, cool. thinking, oh, I should have put that
1: in there. Thirty-eighth
0: <laughs> worst on wide open receivers. Wow.
1: Wide open receivers, eighty-five percent. Wow. He hits wide open receivers eighty-five percent of the time, which is thirty-eighth among qualifying quarterbacks. That means five. What is it? Five backup quarterbacks that hit him hit better than he did. I mean, it's no, just, you
0: were right first time. It would be six because six. he yeah, is the thirty-second. Oh my gosh! Wow. um <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that, be careful on that. Maybe that should be a do not draft. But I, at the same time, I, he did come out high if you project him for a season. And so uh, I can definitely understand what the allure would be of, of, of having him.
1: Yeah, it was for me, it was just focusing on, yes, you got him late, so you didn't really spend a lot on him, but he's probably not going to carry you to the promised land like everybody was. Oh, the last six weeks of the season, he was – in the top ten and blah, it's not going to carry. It's just not going to carry.
0: Yeah, if it's dynasty, you got him late and you you maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm drafting Daniel Jones this year in second rounds uh, of rookie it, picks. It's them. the same idea, but at the same time, uh, where he's actually going in in startups and redraft right now is is yeah. too high for me.
1: It's too high.
0: Yeah. I I say that. If it was a one quarterback, I can understand, but still not high. Still not high. Yeah. But I can yeah. understand because in single quarterback, I kind of have the approach of go late and then go for someone who can be top six, whatever. So draft that Kyler Murray, draft the Josh Allen, whatever. Go for yeah. someone know you might drop him. who if they blow up. <laughs> yeah. You, but if you have to drop and pick up, you know, Kirk Cousins.
1: Right. Okay. Oh, well. You're fine. you By the way, Kirk Cousins, I think, is going to have a good year.
0: <laughs> he, has, he has a good year every year.
1: Right. I think people will actually think he has a good year this year. <laughs> he has such <laughs> a bad reception.
0: The problem is it's week to week is the problem It looks bad for him. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. All right. All right.
0: What I do have a problem with on your list is the second one. You have Antonio Brown. And one of the major reasons you cite that you have a problem for Antonio Brown isn't necessarily Antonio Brown it's Derek Carr, and that's where I disagree.
1: I didn't want to play the he's-getting-older card.
0: Yeah, Antonio Brown's one of those players that I think will still be effective in the league for a couple years even. I just, he doesn't need Van Rothersberger. He's been with Rothersberger so long, everyone has this idea in their head that Rothersberger is this great quarterback. And how can you say he's not? He's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback who's thrown, you know, thousand yard seasons to a number one wide receiver for years. So they come to expect a certain level of of uh excellence out of him that he must be good. But I'm not sure he is all that exceptional beyond just a basic, you know, basic qualifications that he's good enough yeah. to do that because let's not forget Derek Carr was good enough to feed both uh, Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. Uh, didn't quite get them both 2,000 yards, I don't think. Um, but I mean, we're talking 130 something targets to Crabtree for a couple different seasons. Meanwhile, Cooper's getting a thousand yards, you know, every year. Every year there, first three years, as, as everyone knows. Yes, we know Cooper Cup. I mean, Amari Cooper. Has gotten a thousand yards all three. Yeah, we've heard the story, but guess who was throwing it the whole time? Right, Derek Carr. Yeah. Right. So why do we think that he can't support Antonio Brown?
1: I, it's not a support issue. It's just it's just a slight enough decrease in volume that, uh, and I don't even want to call it uh, a fall to mediocrity because he's still gonna. Probably finishes, I mean, not probably, mo- most likely finishes a top 10 wide receiver.
0: So is it a fall in volume or is it a fall in efficiency, though?
1: I, honestly, I think overall it just, to me, looks like a fall in yardage and touchdown volume. Not necessarily targets, not necessarily receptions. It's To me, it's mostly going to fall under the categories of yardage and touchdowns. Okay. He's, he's losing just enough of an edge on yardage and just enough of an edge on touchdown volume that I think it drops him from the QB one, two, three, four conversation down into more of the back end that not QB wide receiver. So it's, it's not so much that it drops him to a mediocre wide receiver or wide receiver two, even it, it just drops him from the wide receiver one, two, three or four conversation down to more of the wide receiver back end of the wide receiver one conversation. And uh, for example, if you if you take his the percentage of yardage that Carr throws versus the, versus Roethlisberger and the percentage of touchdowns he throws versus Roethlisberger, it kind of drops AB into more of the fourteen hundred and nine range, which is great. But that's Adam Thielen, and that's not AB. <laughs> that's that's uh it's it's a good season, and we're not going to be upset drafting him where we're drafting him now but I think we're kind of drafting him at his ceiling, which is sort of the word of warning that I was trying to give for AB is that it's, it's a, I mean, for example, when he gets the ball from big Ben, he, big Ben is a top 10 thrower, 20 yards plus, And Derek Carr is a bottom end of the bottom into the NFL thrower, 20 yards plus. So again, it's going to be more yards and touchdowns. I think the receptions are going to stay on point. I really don't think he's going to see a, a, major change in targets or receptions it's going to be yardage and touchdowns I think that's where it's it's an
0: efficiency decrease you're saying okay yeah that's fine yeah yeah because and that that part makes sense I'm, I'm with you on that because there is going to be a point where and that's what we see and that's what we warn against every year when you have these wide receivers going to new locations and we say look there's going to be adjustment they're not going to be as efficient they're not going to get you know that rapport with the quarterback that they have right away. There's going to be always some adjustment unless your name is Brandon Cooks. There's going to be some adjustment. Um, I don't know how he does that. <laughs> well, good quarterbacks help, but yes, yeah. he's it's still definitely him. Um, and we saw this some quarter, some obviously some uh, wide receivers just have that ability. We saw for a few years, Alshon Jeffrey was able to do the same kind of thing. So they they're able to do what they do well regardless of where they are. But uh, I'm looking at it and I say, yeah, as far as volume, just to get that out of the way, uh, we look at the last five years. So that's five years of Ben Roethlisberger with Antonio Brown and two or one and a half, if you want to call it, with Juju. And Mm -hmm. Roethlisberger is still averaging just four more pass attempts per game than Derek Carr has in his first four seasons. All right. Twenty-two yeah. fewer completions. Mm-hmm. Right. So the little bit you can see, there's a little bit of a rate there. Um, but Derek Carr still has a nice completion rate. It's just mm-hmm. a few points less than than Roethlisberger in that time span. If we go yeah. back to you know Roethlisberger's first four five years, Carr is better. So yeah. I mean, you kind of combine the two. And then here's, here's what I wanted to get to is at what point does um, Rothisberger end and Antonio Brown begin? How much right. did R- Antonio Brown benefit Ben Roethlisberger? And now right. he's going to give that benefit to Carr. And if Carr was already doing that without the benefit of an Antonio Brown, what Dad. can he now do with Antonio Brown?
1: Absolutely. And, and AB even going into this year, he's still one of the best separators in football. I mean, he's still, I mean, just everything he does is clean and he gets separation when he shouldn't get separation. And, and I think that he made Ben Roethlisberger just as much as Ben Roethlisberger made him. But you're, even if we're going to say completions are similar and attempts are similar, not all attempts are created equal. And not every throw is the same, even if they're at the same yardage, and that's when you start getting into more broken down metrics of, of good attempts versus bad attempts, and those are so subjective, and yeah, that's that's more film grinding, which is not my <laughs> not my part. Yeah, I don't touch that stuff. <laughs> I don't touch.
0: Um, is it possible? How how much do you think Antonio Brown is slowing down? You didn't want to play the age card, but. He did. He did. Kind of. What was it? He had the most interceptions when targeted last season. We always talking about yeah. his separation. Is that maybe starting to fail a little bit?
1: I, I think so. I think. um I think that he's lost a step, but I think he's still, like I said, one of the. He's still going to end up as a top ten wide receiver because I still think he has top ten separation. I still think he has top ten hands and.
0: He's just gonna to have to adjust and and actually in some ways you might say the change to carr might be beneficial in that sense because he can train carr with how he is now. Whereas Rothersberger is maybe trying to make throws to uh, Antonio Brown of two years ago that exactly. Antonio Brown of this year wasn't able to do.
1: Exactly. And and Roethlisberger is going to throw where Roethlisberger wants to throw, and Carr is going to listen to A.B. because Carr wants to win.
0: Yeah, that was the thing, like the <laughs> like one of the first days that you know Antonio got over there, they recited, you know, throwing the ball, and that was always something that Antonio Brown complained about Roethlisberger not taking the time to to do um, yeah. having him over to throw just privately. You know, we always hear about Brady inviting Josh Gordon over and all these things, all these stories. Uh, yeah. But never one involved. Although you do see Ben Roethlisberger on the boat with all the guys. So I don't know, maybe just in like A B. It's
1: not the easiest person to like sometimes.
0: <laughs> I, I guess. Maybe. There's probably a little bit on both sides there. These are pretty big personalities, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Alright, well I think I think that kind of um covers that. Kind of clears the air on Carr a little bit that that it's not so much volume i actually think his volume could uh increase because he's of course not going to have juju around there's not much else around so uh, the only thing that's going to really stop the volume is if the offense is just terrible but i think they just need a certain level of competence to to get him as much volume and get him back into that 160 target range and then even with decreased uh efficiency he still can be top five um the other running back you had on your list here was, was of course, Derrick Henry, the the last bitter pill on that first visit. And I just, I'm not sure I disagree. I, I kind of like Derrick Henry. I was telling you how I kind of have these boomerang players that I've been on and then off and, or the other way around, just opposite of public opinion, basically. And for a long time, I was not on Derrick Carr. I was like, he's this big guy. He's young. He's got tiny little legs. He's huge, but he runs fast, but he can't ever seem to do anything. And then it was the end of last season, about, I don't know, a week, uh, some around 10 or 12. I was looking at it, and I was like, this guy is still really young. Deion Lewis is clearly getting older. I was like, I think now is the time to buy Derrick Henry. And so I bought a bunch of Derrick Henry. And uh, a few weeks later is when he started going off on his crazy games. I rode him and a uh, a C.J. Anderson that I should never have drafted for what I did, but I did, and it worked. <laughs> and I wrote him all <laughs> to a championship in that league. That's but is that just Henry being Henry, or do you think because he's only like 24, going on 25, uh the team, the situation, new coaching, maybe it's just finally his time.
1: So to me, Derrick Henry is. The only one in the in both pieces so far that I would actually classify as a do not buy, and I,
0: I <laughs> okay, <laughs> mainly good.
1: mainly because of his cost, because that just gets into the the cost versus return thing. But I I, I just always feel like Derek Henry's a mirage. Every year he does these little bursts, and we get excited, and his ADP or his, his perception jumps up and then come the beginning of the next season or the dynasty offseason and everybody wants in, I mean, half of his production for the whole year came in four games. And it wasn't like he was hurt. And it, it, yes, you can blame usage and yes, you can blame coaching. But sometimes those things happen for a reason. And when he gets seven of his 12 touchdowns in four games and 55% of his yardage in four games – and he had in the games where he had 10 carries or less they were all Titans negative game script games like he is not a pass catcher and he is game, game script dependent and they're not a great team and they don't have a good quarterback and they, he's just there's so many drawbacks that, that red flags that scream and yet he's still being drafted where he's being drafted and bought for what he's being bought for and and that i I think that he's just too risky too rich and and uh i think he'll just he just looks like he'll continue to be the same player and i could be wrong and i'd love to be wrong but i'm not going to own him while i'm wrong
0: (laughs) yeah and i'm not even entirely sure where he's he's going market wise right now um i'm i gotta finish all my projection stuff and then i'm going to start pounding the uh, mock drafts but uh, i'm not there right now so Right. I'm, I'm a little behind on that, so I'm not going to try and comment on what it is. I, I don't recall seeing him before the third, but I don't think he's a fifth anymore. Right. So um, uh,
1: I, I don't have it in front of me, but if
0: I could get him in the fifth, I would be willing to do that risk. I mean, who I got in the first four rounds is going to be, of course, consideration, but yeah, um, I'm okay with that upside. Like I said, I think. Uh, I think he's going to give, he's been going to be given as good an opportunity as he's ever gotten this season. And sure, he might get the opportunity and then not do anything with it. Sure. Right. But uh, I think he's finally going to actually get used at least the way we've always wanted. And then we'll see. And then we'll see. All right. Because he just needs a little bit more um, patience. Like they need to just keep running him and not pulling him out and trying to and that just offense is a mess. There's not much the offense can't really go anywhere but up as a whole anyway, so right. you kind of combine those things and I think that's where I see the upside.
1: And not that he's Marshawn Lynch, but he's Marshawn Lynch. You have to run him. He has to get Yeah. Volume. Marshawn Lynch
0: did not have a fantastic beginning to his career, if I recall.
1: Right. Yeah. But he's, again, Derrick Henry's the kind of guy, he needs the runs. He needs the volume. He's got to get his momentum going. The more carries he has, the better he's going to have a game, and it's not just build up with volume. It's the big runs come when he's had six or seven small carries leading up to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt would be the other. Yeah,
1: LeGarrette Blunt's another mind. good one. Yeah. Doesn't catch, but get him get him the ball.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and the doesn't catch thing is something that I've, I've – interesting with Derrick Henry, I hear people saying he can't catch – and then uh, i've actually heard other scouts and people say you know what he's actually a really good receiver they've just not used a... him that way but whenever yeah. they do uh he can catch and so when you when people say that i said well where, where's the evidence is it just in how much they actually do it or are you actually seeing him drop catches and so on
1: i think that there's a there needs to be some work done in terms of measuring it. But I think there's a distinct difference between doesn't catch and can't catch. Yeah. And like Jordan Howard can't catch, but Derrick Henry might be able to yes. catch. He just doesn't catch. And so can you bank on can catch when he doesn't catch, even yeah. though you can't prove that he can't catch like Jordan Howard, we've seen it. He can't catch, but Derek Henry might be able to, but are we going to bank on it?
0: Well, when Dion Lewis is the only other alternative, I'll give yeah. it a pretty good odds that he, they're going to have yeah. to try it. They're yeah. going to have to try it at some point. Um, that's all I had. Uh, didn't I didn't really see any in your, your second one. So you're getting better at it, obviously. uh no, I'm just joking. Uh, you had the 49ers You had the Forty Niners <laughs> backfield, which I actually tried to do that projection for San Francisco just the other night, and it is. It is a a bit of a mess. Um, I don't... Actually, I don't think it's going to be that bad. The key is going to be not overpaying for any one of them. But, I mean, I think there's some pretty good value there between both Coleman and McKinnon. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Brita... I mean, I think I had them all in that 160 to 100 points PPR for a season. And so they're all hovering right in that kind of range, which means, you know, an injury happens and it's going to boost the others, of course. Um, I also will continue to fight against the idea that Jarek McKinnon is injury prone. That is a false narrative. I think that's
1: true. I also will
0: hear people say that.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's injury prone.
0: He had one injury. Yeah. He had the ACL before that yeah. if you go look at his injury career and I dealt with this all the beginning of last off season which you know was terrible for me because then of course he had his ACL so people were like oh yeah see and it's all the worst thing ever because <laughs> no it doesn't prove anything um, really agree, yeah yeah because before that he had like an ankle or something for one yeah. game, and literally nothing else in his entire career and somehow people got the idea that he's injury prone because he had a couple nagging things that maybe um in their perception slowed him down but he wasn't missing games Um, and so because of that i guess is why but i i digress so uh who else did you have in the second visit
1: Uh, i was the the backfield and then i had cooper and uh jimmy G.
0: Yeah, I did a Mark Cooper, and I, I, I've i been a bit of a Mark Cooper hater. He was a, kind of a boomerang guy again for me last season. I decided, okay, maybe I'll get it on him finally this year because I kind of really didn't like him. I believe I had him in as a rookie in a couple weeks just because he was actually pretty cheap. But then uh, I got rid of him, and uh, it didn't really work out for me last year, but it kind of did towards the end of the season. But by then, it probably I wasn't making – Playoff, so it probably didn't really put me over the top anywhere. Um, right. A lot of people are pretty optimistic about him in Dallas. He came out with some pretty good numbers when, when I did it, the problem with Amari Cooper. And I think you mentioned this is, you know, it's, it's boomer bust kind of thing is. And that's what you brought up, which is where the total numbers are going to look nice, but
1: yeah. end of season, you're going to be so happy. And then you're going to look back and go, but he lost me like five games from just disappearing altogether. Yeah. Uh, so I, he's just more boomer bust than 10 to 12 guys coming after him in draft. So there's just no reason to let somebody else deal with the headache and, and you just grab the next two or three guys instead and you'll be a lot safer that way.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you jumping on with me, uh, Beryl and, uh, had a good time with you in the chat, and um, hope we have many more articles from you. Eventually, I'm sure you'll get you'll go somewhere else where your work can be appreciated. <laughs> but that's okay. In the meantime, <laughs> we'll have you on here. Uh, well, I
1: appreciate the opportunity uh, for you putting my stuff out there and, and having me on. And I uh, look forward to talking to you some more, and I've got more work coming. All
0: right. Where can they find you, social media?
1: I'm um, on Twitter at Beryl Joffre. It's B-E-R-Y-L-J-O-F-F-R-E. Or you can just uh, find the link on the Fusion FFB website. Yes. In my articles.
0: Which is, of course, FusionFFB.com because we keep everything very simple.
1: Yes. All right. Thank you, Beryl. See you next time. All right, man. See you next time. Bye.
0: All right, guys. You heard him. Check out the website and check out on social media. It's Fusion at FusionFFB on Twitter and it really should follow me there because you're gonna get a live update, uh, up to the minute thoughts and updates. One of the things is I did wanna kind of amend here at the end what I had said at the beginning about Melvin. I had recorded that earlier, and I do have a little bit of a clarification on Melvin Gordon I wanted to share with you. It's a little hard to get all the details into a tweet, but I did. In that tweet, link to the larger article that I got the information from. And I got it from, uh, it's actually an article on CBS Sports uh, by, written by a Joel Corey who was a former, he, he's done some sports agency work. And he actually was able to clarify a few things about both Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel and kind of give an agent's perspective. But the biggest thing I took out of that, and that he was actually on Twitter clarifying, uh, JJ Zacharyson was on Twitter. A lot of other people were on Twitter asking, okay, what is actually going on about this? year and we've been taught to use certain terms and maybe in an incorrect ways about accrue or tolling i think that the correct term according to you know cba and everything is actually whether the year tolls um, like t-o-l-l toll the accrue is a little bit more to do with the franchise tag and so we are got used to that we got trained to that with bell last year but Like I did mention, Bell and Melvin are not in the same situation, and neither is Ezekiel Elliott. These are actually three distinct situations. So just to clarify, going back to last year. uh, Last year, Le'Veon Bell was a free agent, but he was being tagged by his team. That was the problem. So as long as he held out, uh, he couldn't be on the team, because he wasn't signing, but he just couldn't go anywhere else as a free agent because they had that tag label on him. He could hold out whole year and then still be a free agent the following year. The problem was whether or not that franchise year accrued, remember, and that would again raise the franchise tag price or eventually take it to its third and final maximum year. That was why we were talking about years accrued with Le'Veon Bell however with Melvin Gordon he is he has completed four years of his original rookie contract he is a first round pick four years with a fifth year option but it is an option and that is the key thing here free agency requires that you um, have four years accrued he already has that he just needs to get to next year without without completely skipping the year because if he skips the year he'll be right back where he is this year in at the beginning of his fifth year option however what he can do is do just enough he can do the minimum that the league will not count it against him and will not award the Chargers a claim against him that he did not toll a year. Now the example is Joey Galloway back in like 1999 or something, I guess, and I I wasn't aware of this. I wasn't paying attention back then as close, not at all. And uh, he apparently sat out for nine weeks and then came back and played. And they awarded him in there, you know, there was an arbiter involved and they did not count it. They did not count that against him and they did award him a year counted. And so he was able to go forward into the next year as a free agent. So that's the closest precedent we have for Melvin Gordon right now. So my prediction that Melvin Gordon will will miss half the season still stands I think he will do the minimum he has to do to get to next year as a free agent and the precedent is there so I'm guessing eight games he's just maybe I would if I was him I'd go one less just to be sure that was a while ago that was 20 years ago rules and perception of rules has maybe changed but if he goes eight weeks he can say he can say look Joey Galloway did nine and You, you counted his, you didn't, you did count his year. Um, So that's where we're at with Melvin Gordon. Now with Ezekiel Elliott, like I said, it's completely different situation for him because he has only done three full years. And so even if he holds out partially and gets the year counted, that would only be, that would be the fourth year. He would not be able to be a free agent. If that makes sense. Um, he needs to complete this next year and then the following year there might be problems he'll be in Melvin Gordon's situation. So I just wanted to clarify those things and uh, the, the key is that Melvin Gordon needs to have this year count but that doesn't mean he can't miss games as far as precedent goes. Some will say if he misses anything it'll reset the entire year technically the Chargers could try and do that but like I said past example the Arbiter still awarded it to the player even with nine games missed and honestly if I'm the Chargers are you really going to even bother trying unless you know you can get a deal done with him uh, and then either way it would still be a new deal so it would be irrelevant I don't think they're going to try and do that They saw what happened with the Steelers. Um, If the player just doesn't want to do it, then you're just asking for trouble. It's a lose-lose for everybody, basically. All right, that's it. Enough on Melvin. Um, Lots of other news coming in today since I recorded. Nothing major, but keep an eye on Twitter. And both, you know, Burl Joffer here has been now on the podcast. He's in the chat. You've heard from Josh Crocker. He's in the chat. We had a podcast profile with Clock Dodgers. He's in the chat. There's a bunch of really great people in the Fusion FFB chat. My goodness, going way back. The break from the grind, guys. We have George. He's in the chat. I'm going to see if I can get them back on here soon because I have something coming up involving them. But that's besides the point. The point is you want to get in this chat if you want to be a part of something with a lot of great minds not just not just me i'm not talking about me other people as well and uh great conversations fantasy football conversations i referenced the secret draft council at the beginning of this uh interview with beryl one of our guys uh he he had a draft going and uh, we basically like helped him crowdsource his decisions for the draft now he still made all the decisions but it was a lot of fun he was saying all right guys what do we got? And everyone was chipping in ideas and perspectives. And, and he, he went with a couple, you know, and including ones I told him not to. Uh, Kenyon Drake, don't do it. Ballage got first team reps today. That's right. All right, guys, I'm done. I think this has been too long. Have a good one. See you next week. Next week, hopefully all the projections and everything are out. Open in the store, all that good stuff. Keep an eye out. Thanks.
1: Worse than, worse than six backups. Let me know, good to go? Good. I watch football.
0: And I didn't have a clue what they were talking about.
1: Six backups.
0: (laughs) So if you want to hang out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, no, hey, oh, you got a second or you gotta go?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna hop off
0: okay okay okay